Howdy gang, thank you for tuning in to Back Country and Barbells. I am Joe Shimonic. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, today we have a great episode that comes to you live. Well, not live. We recorded it at Turkey Camp. Uh, we did happen to get out into the woods um, despite all the corona crazy talk. We did get a good weekend in the woods and we actually brought out two new turkey hunters. So it was really cool. Jeremy's son and um, Jeremy's son's best friend. So more on those two in the episode. And uh, Hey guys, want to give a quick nod of the cap to Ellsworth Socks, guys. Uh, I actually wore Ellsworth Socks on this um, trip, and it's funny. I, I put a different kind of a twist on the same sort of um, uh, product testing. Uh, I wore those socks in late season uh, with uninsulated boots, and in the same uninsulated boots, I put them on during this spring turkey hunt. And um, kind of challenge from Pete Dahlgren there from Ellsworth Socks that these things will keep you dry no matter what. I wanted to see under high temps with a heavy sock if I could keep my feet dry. And guess what? They did. So uh, the only thing worse, I think, than a cold foot is a wet foot. And um, wet and cold probably will send you out of the woods. Neither, guys, will happen with Ellsworth Socks. So um, check them out, guys. And if you do, go to Ellsworth.com. Or excuse me, EllsworthSocks.com. And if you do go there and you do decide to buy a pair of socks, which you should, um, use code B and B, B A N D. B, 20, and save 20%, guys. And um, I think you'll be training, hunting, and living uh, a proper a proper hunt um, with nice feet. So check them out, guys. Enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think. And uh, have a good one. Cool. Well, howdy, gang. Backcountry and barbells out at Turkey Camp. <laughs> yeah, 2020 Corona Camp. <laughs> we are not social distancing today, but uh, we accomplished a goal, Jeremy. We didn't kill any birds today. No, we, we got, did not. We got a new hunter in turkey camp. Two new hunters. Well, Joey's seasoned. He's been around, but he's kind of he. He took a eight-year reprieve. Yeah, yeah. Coming out of retirement. <laughs> Coming out of retirement. Reprieve. But I'm excited. Reprieve is a big word to be using right now under. All the uh, substance we're, we're drinking right now. How many, what's, <laughs> reprieve? Reprieve. What's the definition reprieve. of that word? Are you just using it? You I'm just I mean? using it, man. <laughs> Don't ask me the definition. I'll make something up. But uh, well, let's inter- let's inter- everybody introduce yourself. Um, uh, so to my right, we have uh, Jeremy's son, Joey. How's it going? College oh, yeah. student. College student. Yep. Studying? Chemistry. Don't get a. Don't get a ton of time out here in the woods it's uh it's good to be out here fired up yeah absolutely fired and, up and then your boy andre yeah howdy y'all my name is andre i'm a student at eastern washington university fired up yes sir cool and, and rotc you're, guy you're, too huh you're an rotc right you in an rotc program yes sir fired up fired up it is my wife did rotc you might not know that but i think i told you Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Well, that's a good route for folks. I have a, I have a friend whose son wants to go to George Fox, and they're worried about affording it, but they have a pretty cool Air Force ROTC program, so yeah. it's a cool option for kids. If you put the work in, then it'll definitely pay off in the long run, so yeah. great and option. And then um, next to uh, Andre, Jeremy Day. Hello, all. Who you missed our last recording. I did. We all should, everyone should go check that out. It's still white, but he was in the woods before me, so we worked that out. But uh, I wanted to start Turkey Camp off with some true-false questions. All right. Okay. 
And on the way in, I was listening to a podcast with a, a guy named Mike Chamberlain. And Mike Chamberlain is a biologist for at the University of Georgia, or he's associated with him somehow. But he's a legit turkey hunter too. And uh, I thought we could go through some of these questions, and then along with going through some of these, just talk about what we've been doing. You all ready? Yes, sir. Yeah. So we'll we'll start true false. Um, let's start here. True or false? Fur prices have impacted turkey harvests. Fur prices? Fur prices, like fur bearer prices. Can I phone a friend? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you <Yeah. hear> me? <laughs> Who are you gonna phone? <laughs> this guy <laughs> to my right. Talk about like uh, raccoons and stuff. Prices on those hives have impacted. Affected. Have impacted what? Turkey turkeys. Harvest. Turkey harvests and turkey, you know, turkey numbers. True or false? I'm gonna have to say true just because the question is being asked. Okay, true. <laughs> I'm going to side with the expert over here to my right. True. You know, I'm going to have to go with false just because I, I don't see how, you know, hunting something like, like you know, your example, of, what, what did you say? A raccoon. A raccoon. A raccoon, is it, is it like a similar territory? Like, are, are you hunting raccoons and while you're hunting raccoons, you're scaring away the turkey or is there any sort of connection so between the two. That's a good point. Can you fill okay, both, sorry, sorry. Can you fill false, both false, tags? False, false, false. Okay, sorry, false. <laughs> but no, your mind's in the right place. I'm, yeah. So we started off easy. Uh, it is true. So here's how here's how it impacts it. Uh, according, according to Michael Chamberlain, when people aren't out hunting coons, coons they, they devastate turkey nests, right? So when those prices fall and people aren't out actively hunting them because there's more of them there's more predators turkey numbers go down harvest go down so this is the kind of game we're going to play that's interesting cool cool all right so that's one so Mm. uh shot a wild turkey since you missed it and by the way we can (laughs) drink some wild turkey while we're playing (laughs) so so we'll keep score okay we'll tally it up you were wrong drink yes (laughs) all right all right i already got it in hand (laughs) okay Fall turkeys can respond to calling. True or false? True. True. You're just I'm gonna follow him the whole time. You need to ask Joey and then me and then him last, or I'm just gonna ride. The, I'm gonna ride the train all the way there. Um, I'll side with true. It is true, and we were talking about this in the field today yep. a little bit. We brought it up, and this is where I got this. So, um, I guess generally they're thought of as not as vocal. But when they get busted up, they're still going to locate each other in a, in a different sort of way. But we got into a Tom today that was pretty vocal. Yeah, absolutely. He was pretty fired up. He was extremely fired up. Today was probably one of the... The first hour was probably the best hour of turkey hunt I've ever had. Yeah. I thought it was pretty rad. Four or five gobblers. We got into the one, and he gobbled for, dang, like an hour. An hour. over. An hour. But, you know, turkeys, just like all animals, are... You, they're a flock, right? They, they want to be with other turkeys yeah. at all times. In the wintertime, what you'll find out is that there'll be 30 to 100 of them together. Seriously? Yeah. I've seen that. We've, yeah. We went out to... Uh, Damn. What's that, what's that Scandinavian village? Um, 
Leavensworth. Leavenworth. We went mm -hmm. out there and took a little snow carriage ride, and we went through this barn, and they were, I'm, I would, twenty-five turkeys flocked up by this barn. So no, they were they were huddled up, and I thought there might have been twenty-five out there today. I mean, when we first set up this morning, how many did you guys hear? At least three. We heard three because yeah, there was three. two down in front of us, and then we heard the one that you guys were hearing. Yeah, and we heard two. I was pretty sure I heard yeah. two. Yeah. So we might have had five, and then we put a... We put, They're all hand up, too. We put mm -hmm. a plan on one, and then we had a really cool calling session. I mean, we were probably within about 50 to 80 yards. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to say. <clears throat> but it was cool. It was they were in the roost. They went, didn't want to come out for whatever reason. You know, sometimes when they feel like they're being there's predators out there, they'll see something out in an open field, yeah. which there's a big open field. Some other hunters, as we heard some shots. Yeah. And... Uh, could have held them up in the in the roost well also like dre said with them being hinned up won't that affect their kind of their, their typical schedule yeah when they're hinned up they're less likely to um they're less likely to go to another hen because hens are very territorial as well just like in nature you know females by nature that they want a particular man or in this case a hen wants a particular gobbler. Cock. Yeah. Is that what you call a male turkey? No, Tom. She wants a Tom. A Tom. Excuse me. You were close. My fault. That was, I was not bitches. correct. Uh -huh, I kid. I kid. Uh, I lost well, my but train but of thought. But, sorry, but 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 also, aren't we going against what's natural? Because the way I understand it, when their little mating ritual is, you know boss gobbler does this thing everyone looks at him and then they come to him right but we're asking them to kind of go against that a little bit and then come in to us as we're making hen calls so i mean is that really a good strategy for the dominant gobbler or are we looking to get kind of like you know in elk terms satellite satellite you know jakes you know there's so many variances joe because with a gobbler i mean you can't really tell if they're the dominant one or not or if they're mature whatever terminology you want to use so you got to kind of i always play a cat and mouse game i let him gobble and then i'll hand call and i'll cut him off and then i'll wait for a while and if i don't hear anything after a certain amount of time i'll hand call if he cuts me off i might wait two gobbles that he gobbles twice before i even react because if he cuts you off as a hen you're, you're making that hen sound and he cuts you off, he is interested. Mm. And so sometimes, like with you and our bird last year, I said, we got to close distance. Yeah. And that made it sound like the hen was super interested and came closer to the gobbler. And then we held up, then we um, got into a, a spot and then got our stand, what have you, and then let him close the distance after that. But we got him completely like excited right yeah no it was cool i mean and i think the other key is you can't even in that one spot where we were talking a bit we were kind of we were kind of stuck because there wasn't much cover anyway yeah and they would have he would have spooked us up so we were kind he had to come to us does that mean okay so you guys are talking about those jakes being satellites and then the dominant uh tom just like actually running with all the hens 
would that piss him off if he thinks that there's another a Jake getting with one of his potential hens? Like, yeah, would that, would that Would that pull him in to actually like bust that up? Just yeah, but a question, you know. Yeah, so good question. It's a great question, and yes, he would. But if he has hens, if they're hinned up, they already have a couple hens that they're wanting to stick around that are going to go into season, for the lack of better terms. So he's going to stick with those two hens. He's less likely to come in because he's already got, mm-hmm. just like an elk, he's already got a little bit of a harem rocking. So he's not going to come into. Well, the other the side barn. of it too is the, the the hens also are part of the selection. They are actually choosing. Yeah. They're not going to mate with anybody. They want they want to mate with the dominant toms. That's why they do all that display stuff. That's why they fight. That's mm-hmm. why they get. And hens will fight too. Hens will hens will actually end up fighting each other over the dominance of a uh, a particular tom. I don't think turkeys get enough credit for. All the fighting they do. Yeah. I want to see some of that fighting. I know, it's, it's fun. Feisty. What, South Carolina, the fight, fighting cocks? Oh, no, I was checking time. Yeah, yeah, chickens. Right. South Carolina game cocks. Game cocks. Yeah. I used to live by that. Um, I used to live in Columbia. Don't move there. <laughs> I used to live there, you're too. Gonna, you're going to piss people off. <laughs> no, it's a great place. Glad I'm gone. But, uh... <laughs> getting big signals uh, over here. Yeah. Um, okay, let me. Let's mess around here. I got one. Here's a better question. Let's talk about the survivability of these critters. See where you guys are at on this. Fifty percent of nests are lost. Now, and I'll put I'll put a term on this. A nest is a success if one hatches. That's a success. So, true or false, 50% are lost of all nests. I'd, I'd say true on that one. True. true. False. I'm true. Damn it! False. Oh. Let's go! Brazier with the W! 80% oh, is Damn. the real number. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So 80%. So, Let's go, buddy. Oh, wow. So it's it's a 20% success rate. Now, here's what's even crazier. And this is, again, uh, I would check this podcast out. A fellow named Michael Chamberlain. It was on Mediator. It's called Gobble Your Ass Off. So it's a really cool episode, <laughs> I thought. But so there's about a 20% success rate. And then the crazier part is only a third of that 20%. Uh, will those birds live to be two weeks old? So, it's tough. Wow. Damn. So, in general, 7% of all nests will produce an adult turkey. How about that? So, does that make you... Does that, does that make you... Uh, is that... Discouraging? In, make you flinch about it? Does that make it? you in, find the turkey... Oh, that's a tough bird. The ones that are alive are pretty badass. Or is that like, what's going on? What, what do you think? I mean, general thoughts on that. It, it doesn't really sound like, I mean, survival of the fittest would be like them actually being able to defend themselves and then like prove that they're tough. But it just sounds like a lot of them are just getting smoked right out the chute where they can't even, you know. It sounds like it's coming a lot down the chain. They're, they're not mature either. enough to like actually be able to t- exactly. defend themselves and yeah. actually, yeah, it, it's not And then like it, a, a lot of it comes of the down fittest. to the, the location like, of the nest too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting busted up. So. What do you think, man? 
I don't. I don't know, man. I think it's pretty crazy. No, because no. I see, I mean, you look at um, populations of these birds, and it's growing immensely across the nation. Really? With conservation and everything else. But there's some places where they thrive so much that people just want you to come and harvest them. Well, they're finding now, again, that I guess supposedly in certain urban areas they're doing pretty well. They're doing spots phenomenal. Like where we are, or certain places are... In particular, like Arkansas is having a really hard time, um, and a lot of it has to do with this number. The seven percent number is not very good, uh, but predator rates are knocking them down. Yeah. Uh, habitat being taken away is knocking them down, and then one of the things they got into was start times of hunting seasons have an effect on them because when you take out dominant birds. The hens don't just start messing around with the number two guy. When you take the dominant tom out, it makes the hens reshuffle and go, okay, who's the best? So they go through another assessment piece. It's like, you know, if you didn't make it home from turkey camp, you know, Michelle's not just going to shack up across the street tomorrow. You know, she's going to take... Yeah, there's an extremely high standard there. (laughs) Yeah. No, but she... (laughs) You know, she might take... (laughs) I'm just kidding. She might take four four or five weeks and, you know, before she remarries, right? You know. Four or five weeks. (laughs) So, but that's the thing. So, so the issue with season starting early, if you don't let... If you don't let the... If you don't... If you let the let, hierarchy take place. If you don't let it, if you don't let that play out, and for her to nest that first nest, um, then all of a sudden you delay when she can do that nest. And the later they have nests, then you're in a tough spot to raise the bird up. That's interesting. To become an adult. So that's one reason, um, because that's a debate in a lot of places. You know, because yeah. Washington starts April fifteenth in particular. Um, but I'll be honest with you. After listening to this podcast, I'm like. Corona had it right. Probably May should be fair enough as a as a as a time to start. It seems to me like the longer you can give these animals time to breed, the more successful the breeding is going to be. And in particular with these animals, you need that because they're supposed to live a long time, but they're not getting the chance to live long because. Uh, does does the hunting of the predators of those turkeys start before the turkey season starts? Well, like coyotes. Well, that's that's where I asked the fur bearing question oh, you used yeah. to have a you know people used to make money trapping people used to go after fur bears um not so much anymore okay. so um but i think like coyotes that they're open season oh they're yeah they're always yeah but that's the thing everything kills turkeys so we're not even talking about mm-hmm. just um predators of them it's you know snakes you're talking them. about those owls too were owls get getting them. after them yeah I was surprised to hear that. There's another one. You ruined that question, Andre, so I'll just give you the statistics. <laughs> I have a more, like, fundamental question yeah. about, so, I mean, people are kind of uneducated with, with with this whole deal. Um, when we're talking about being henned up, so, obviously, if you're, if you're saying they're henned up, when, when they're not henned up, where are these hens? Where do they go? Uh, so, most of the time, they're out nesting. So what will happen in the first part of the season, starting in early April, is that they start the mating part, right? So the rooster will mate the hen, 
and then the hen during the early um, around eight, nine, ten o'clock will go out on the roost or out on the nest. I'm sorry. So what will happen is that then you have all the hens that it get seasoned or what's the term? I guess mated. They're out nesting. So then the the um, toms and gobblers are just like we got to go find the next hen that's mm -hmm. ready. And so when we're calling and you have a um, tom that pops off and he's like gobble, 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 gobble. I mean, uh -huh. several times like today usually states that he's, you know, he's, he doesn't have any hens with him and wants to come in. Okay. Did I answer your question? Yeah, definitely. So when they're hinned up, typically they're not going to come into other hens because they have those hens, but then when they mate with those like for instance we saw the two toms with the two hens now if those hens go into season which they're going to go into their next cycle here any day now those toms will mate with them those hens will go off on nests every morning and then those toms are going to start wandering aimlessly trying to look for hens that are um, ready okay it'd be interesting to actually see the statistics behind how many nests that one hen in her lifetime produces because it's got to be an astronomical number if like you said the populations are rising drastically and seven percent of them are still only making it depends to on the hen. Like one hen how many hen. hens per gobbler too so again i'm not a turkey um, expert but i'm going to uh some of the information from this fella was saying generally you want a hen to produce She'll lay one at least one nest a season when she's ready. Sometimes, even if that nest gets destroyed or she gets kicked off of it, she'll try and get a second. Sometimes as many as they'll lay four times in a season. Not necessarily that that is rare. But then there's also some hens. They are in it for themselves, and they've decided that the best way to live is to not mate or to not lay. Progressive hens. <laughs> like, like the girls. These are like the girls you go to college with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the ones I went to college with. Um, They're ready for the nest. No, well, they've decided that the survival strategy <laughs> I need is to not mate because it puts, it puts, you know, one of the ways that the birds survive is they obviously we saw it today they get up into the trees, right? But. When she lays, she has to protect the nest, and they will. They'll do it. And then they won't get back up into a tree until the bird can. And then that bird, after it hatches, can't, won't start getting up into a tree um, into its second week. So it takes about 14 days for it to be able to get up. So they're super vulnerable on the ground, right? And that's when there's a lot of predation happens. But that's super interesting, you know? Um, It's a bird that is looked at, at least from my standpoint, as a stupid animal. Actually, it seems to be making some good decisions. I mean, oh, outside yeah. of outside of what happens during this little mating ritual, I mean, they're pretty savvy in their in their environment. And you know, we saw it today. As fun as the morning was, when they're talking, when they're not talking, they're invisible. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Unless you walk the roads. <laughs> Well, I didn't get to see. That's what where you we saw. always see yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I feel you like, go your whole life I thinking like that they're just 
idiots, and then they're, they find they can run They're fairly unpredictable, <laughs> too, you know. Yeah. As far as animals go, you can't really... You just can't predict where, where are they going to be, you know. Right. You see you them in one place, and then, you know, the next day, you have no idea. You have no clue. Are they going to be there? Or are they not going to be there? We'll see. We'll find out tomorrow, because we're going to go back tomorrow morning where we went today, right? Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. And hopefully they're there. <laughs> They'll fucking be there. All right, so... I asked this question earlier today. Do y'all remember? What's the percent chance that a bird will roost in the same tree that it was in the day before? Here, let's put a high-low on this. I'll put it at 20%. That, that's, what, that's what you're going to say? It's no, 20%. it's a high-low. So you can high. say it's above. It's okay, Chances okay. are higher than yeah. 20% that they'll roost in the... Same tree or lower than twenty percent that they won't. Roost I'd say high because I feel like I feel like we were talking. I feel like I heard one. I don't know. I'm the rookie, but I thought I heard an old ball say there might be like you know three or four, maybe five different spots that they roost. So twenty would be the. We think Jared on that. Lower. Says Damn low. It. We taking. I'm gonna agree with the high. Thirteen percent. Oh. Tie me up. Now, again, <laughs> one scientist, one study, or maybe a couple studies, but they somewhere in some paper that they discussed, they came to the conclusion that 13% of the time this bird roosted in yeah. the same tree. Jamie, pull that up. Yeah, that's right. Pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> Rogan Get, reference some of his downloads our that way. That's what uh, yeah. But, um, no, that, it, it's interesting. But what they do do... Is the they they will go to the same spots? Yeah, that's what I've noticed over the years. Yeah. Is that they'll always there's a specific set of roosting trees that they prefer all the way around, and maybe that's just from genetics and breeding and habits, right? Because there's always a a hen that's kind of the the what is it? She's usually the boss, matriarch, and then she'll take them like the lead cow. There's a lead hen that takes them around. Yeah. From my understanding. I was going to say bitch of the bunch, but <laughs> that's not appropriate. So I won't. Um, I think it's probably even simpler than that. It's uh, the auditory part. I mean, there if a if there's a place where they can broadcast a lot and let people know that, "Hey man, I'm I'm Billy Badass. I'm going to get on this tree and let everybody know." Um, that place too. So I guess you can you can look for that. So but I think that's what makes it tough here, because as far as I know, I look around here where we are in the Pacific Northwest, and there's tons of places they can go. Oh, it's everywhere. I just wonder if we need to zero in more on what pattern in them more. I mean, you brought it up, Joey. They're hard to predict, but I wonder, too, what we can be doing to maybe learn a little bit more about what they're actually scrounging on at certain times outside. We have to do more than just be tuned into Goblin, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that goes back to, I mean, Dad, you had areas where, you know, how many turkeys did you get out of that, that, that one canyon? Yeah, um, a lot. A lot, right? So, I mean, obviously, there's some sort of pattern. There's some sort of, you know, consistencies on where they, uh, they choose to, you know, nest and, you know, um, carry out their, their daily activities. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I mean, if you ever post this episode, somebody's going to let us know, too. 
Well, like any other animal too, right? They they want protection. They yep. want water, and then they need food. Yeah. So they're going to set themselves up. Turkeys typically will fly off the roost in the morning. They'll dink around. They'll get kind of group up or what have you because they're maybe in different separate trees. They go to water. They come back. The hens go to the nest, and then the gobblers go out looking for new mates. So typically what I've noticed a lot of times is they roost somewhere near water and they need an open area, right? Because they need to run, fly into their net, uh, roost. And then at, in morning time, they got to fly out of there and they want to see where they're landing so that they can see if there's any predators or what have you and then land and then dink around and then go to water. I saw and then they go out and feed. We saw one today. I saw one do that today. Yeah, I've not ever seen one fly up into a tree, but we had we were we were coming down. We left our gobbling session, and we were hanging out on the road. And we heard that kind of gobble out of nowhere, and then we all went to go investigate it. And then we heard the gunshot. Yeah, heartbreak. Oh, it it did. It weirded us all out a little bit. It was the second gunshot. But <laughs> then we I saw the I saw one fly up into a tree. Um, we didn't know what happened after that, but we heard another gunshot, but they're not graceful. No. <laughs> um, hell no. But he was out and he was down, but it, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was a little nerve wracking that there was a hunter so close and we were running in the direction of that bird and then that gunshot went off. Um, that was super interesting, but, uh, do you think that he shot that Here's another thing, question we were talking about. You know, don't shoot ducks on a pond. Um, supposedly, you shouldn't shoot a turkey in a roost. Do you think that guy took that shot? I mean, we didn't stick around to see. Do you think he tried to shoot him out of that? You know, originally I thought he probably did. But then when we kind of looped back around and then came back through that area, my thought was that we had we were calling coming down the road. And I think that Tom, we hadn't called for a while, and then he yapped off and gobbled. And then I think those guys were walking up and heard, and they just happened to be in the right place at the right time and tried to do some wing shooting. And that bird ran and jumped up, it flew into the tree, and then maybe they tried to take a shot at, at that bird in the tree mm. after that. But I think it was a wing shot originally. Yeah. They were trying to wing shoot it. Yeah. Was it wing shooting? That's just when they fly up, or you see them. You just try to shoot them on the fly. Because the fact that there was a second shot makes me feel like, like I don't know. You guys are I don't know animal behavior very well. Like just like I said with those, I didn't know if you spotlight an elk, they'll just wait for you to shoot all of them. But with the turkeys, I feel like if you shoot that shot, they're gonna go straight up in the tree. And I doubt you'd walk up and finish up a finish up a turkey right. with a shotgun in the face. So if you took a second shot, the chances are that it was in the, it was. In, in, in the tree. tree yeah. Well, in, in this circumstance, I, I don't believe it was this, it was coming from the same place. I think it was two different different shots. Really? Yeah. Two different people. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting because the original shot was pretty loud, and that could be that the gun was just pointing our direction, and then the second shot was pointing away from us. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's so hard to tell. You know me, not or these guys do. I'm I'm an overthinker, and I'll overthink the situation. 70,000 times but that's the hardest part about dealing with turkeys I mean, even this morning when we had a bunch of gobblers going off 
It's like, what do you do? Yeah. So many options. Yeah, right? So, Jeremy, you actually did really land. well with just, I mean, you might say you overthink things, but when it comes down to like, we need to make, I, I know that for a fact you like to close in on them. And without a shadow of a doubt, like when you came over and grabbed us and we were just, we were off like, you know, yeah, we, we were, were off with the, we were off with mean, the, to the races. I mean, Dre said, we were out there and he said, I, I would, I would hate to be being hunted by your dad. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, a lot. I would that not too. want to be hunted because you do, you, you don't like, fucking stop. you hear it and you pursue, you know, but, but you know, your limits, you don't pursue all the way until, you know, you're, you're right there and you're smelling the animal. You, you pursue to a point where you're you're in a reasonable distance and and then you you know you kind of hunker down and, th- and then you start you take your time and you be patient and you really you, you call out to him and you try to you, you try to vibe out the situation you know and and you try to you try to speak to the animal and um and that's dangerous being able to pursue and then get to a point close that distance exactly you close the distance and then you figure out where you are and and, and and then you figure out okay now now I actually need to be you need, I need to be tactical about it. How, how do I get in there how do how do I communicate to the animal and how how do I move in a way that isn't heard you know how do I not Lord. spook them yeah be me well, I think turkeys I mean their sight is superior to ours mm-hmm. and they're higher than us right so it's like closing the distance in a way where you can keep cover but closing the distance to a place where the, the turkeys, kind of similar to elk, that they're smart enough, they're, they're animals, they're smart enough to know that something should be where they're not going to go past where they don't think something should be. Does, does that make sense? I don't know if I'm putting that yeah. right. No, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And I mean, I think... Obviously, the morning hunt that we had today, um, in particular, it, it it was perfect. You know, it's picture perfect, and we, and we did exactly what you're talking about. You yeah. know, we got there, and I mean, the odds are that 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 turkey was, you know, it was uh, it it was up in the trees, and it, it is, you know, it's hypersensitive. It has those eyes, and, and yeah, it knows. It has that it has that instinct, and and a periscope head. Checks notes in a periscope (laughs) head. I dig it. Well, that was the interesting thing with those other guys that came in. I mean, that field was wide open. Yeah. And if those birds saw those guys or even movement out in that field, they're going to stay in the roost until they feel it's safe to get out. That might actually speak to what he was saying, too. Like, he was saying that, that he thought they were following us. He thought that one gobbler was following us, you know? So maybe he was just preoccupied, you know, trying to I tail thought us he and was didn't fo- I thought see that him. one. I thought one was following us. Well, really and that did. was a different gobbler. It might have been was a different low. one. But that, because, that, you know, when we left the one set up, you know, we had, we had I don't know, a 40-minute calling session with that one who just wouldn't budge. I mean, yeah. And Not an inch. he responded inch. really well to the box call, and he was loud, and he was close, but we just... We decided to pull out, pulled out, so loop, as we loop were, around. As we were looping back, we were calling, and that's when we heard that rogue kind of gobble. I, I was, I would have bet that he was like a young, a Jake, probably like, "Come on, girl, you know what's up," or something. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. And that brings up a good point because I mean, you kind of, you kind of had proof of that through your calling, and you know, like, like you were talking about that, that, that. 
that louder, more aggressive call. Yeah. It, it really spooks him and it got him going. I mean, you, shocked him. You made a point of it. You you told me you said, "Hey, watch this." And that aggressive, you know, cut, 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 cut. and then you know they he would respond and he did a, a kind of a lower tone and uh, nothing. Yeah. Because it was shot gobbling. It was shot gobbling. Which is typically the sign of a Jake. He'll, he'll he just can't control himself. Well, supposedly a lot of it has to do again. We'll reference this Michael Chamberlain fella. Actually, check him out. He's a wild turkey doc on the Instagram. Uh, he does a thing called Turkey Tuesday. Uh, he pulls puts a lot of information out. But I guess a lot of the research he's doing right now is that it's all frequency based. So things that they'll shot gobble to will be will be transmitted on the same frequency. Now, I don't know. I'm not a oh, damn, almost like an there. innate involuntary response. Like they hear it and it just yeah, sparks yeah. something in them, and, yep. they, and they just immediately respond. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Which takes over time, right? You got to learn so how to control that, just like in anything. Sure. Yep. So, so those Jakes, they're like, they want it so bad, they're gonna respond to it, right? Yeah, they're immature. Yeah. So. It, so I got another question about turkeys and talking. Uh, do, okay, we'll go true false again, and we're gonna start with Andre here. Okay, okay. you're up first. <laughs> I'm fucking ready. So I'm ready for this. Hunting pressure will directly impact the gobbling of male turkeys. True. True or false? You said true. He's over here. He he was like, no. That's like, ear. ooh. That's I think a tough question. Hunting pressure. Hunt- so like wait, hold on. Hold. Exactly so hunting pressure will directly impact the Let goblin. Me, I'll be. I'll even be more specific. Human hunting pressure has been shown to directly impact the vocalization of male turkeys. So you're saying if I'm. If I've just taken a couple of shots at this turkey, he escapes 100 yards south, and well, then somebody else starts calling him. Uh, yeah, you, you or think you could be talking to him, him any human and then pressure. he comes in and sees that you're a human because you walk, you stand up, and he's like right there, and he's like, "Oh crap!" So what do you think? Human hunting pressure. I feel like I'm getting baited into this, but I, I, I in my opinion, yes, because I mean that's true. why we're wearing camo. True. I'm gonna say true. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. And it was cool because he even talked about some really specific scenarios. So, like, in Georgia, um, they hunt turkeys everywhere. Uh, They got these microphones everywhere. And they're listening and listening and listening. And they're counting the gobbles. And they've seen that not only does hunting season start, those gobbles go down. There's also select areas in Georgia where hunting doesn't happen on these places. And guess what happens? The toms still gobble. And he even referenced one place where they only let hunting on the weekends or certain days. And during the week, the toms are gobbling. And guess what happens when the hunters enter the woods? Stop. They stop. So it's something to think about too. So it makes me wonder, here in that Germany, does that, I mean, According to this guy, it 100% affects them. Uh, humans in the woods. Does that make you think about calling less or more? Would that affect your strategy? Um. 
yes and no because I'm going to take the temperature of if, it, if it's opening weekend or later season so opening first week or two of a season I typically will be a little more aggressive and then in the latter part I will be less aggressive so right now I'm being kind of aggressive because really in the state of Washington our season didn't open up until May 5th yeah. compared to April 15th so they haven't had that hunting pressure yeah so I'm being a little more aggressive than normal but you know I, I do the go 100 yards call yelp a few times once or twice you know i'll yelp like a five series yep 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 and then i'll do it wait a few seconds and then do it again yeah later season i tend to really kind of do a few more setups and then do less calling do a little more purring and all that kind of stuff try and draw them in more yeah I'll be honest, it seems like when they're not making noise, the best thing you can do is stumble on them. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. So mm. I mean, It's really hard, man. It's hard hunting. Something, that, something that like makes me feel like a... Okay, of course I'm a rookie, brand new to this, but I'm trying to be a student, you know, so I was through our days in, uh -huh. the, in, the, in the woods, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking over different scenarios in my head and whether or not this would work, but... Something that even ties into what I'm doing right now for the Army was I've been meaning to look into, like, sound wave. I don't know what the technical term would, for, for it would be, but, like, sound wave resonance out, like, past a certain distance, you know. So I always think about if my platoon's in the woods, how far away do I know that I'm safe if, the, if I know the enemy's 200, 300 meter, meters away, I'm safe from them hearing me. Because I feel like a lot of the time out here, like, depending on how loud you're doing those calls, like, versus those box calls, if it would be easier sometimes... Because like you said, if they hear you, they're going to shut up. But maybe if you stick to those ridges and the, and the edge of those canyons where you know that you can call and you're going to have that sound wave resonance over a really big distance, I, I feel like sticking to those areas and just calling out as far as you can at a place where you're also going to hear it back, maybe that might be your like your best bet before compromising yourself and uh, you know snapping a stick because well, you're looking at the sunrise. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, this yeah. morning was perfect. We got right to that level where we had like that you know, omnipresent, like, awareness of everything that was around us, and mm -hmm. we could hear from nearly four different directions. I thought that was a perfect strategy. Typically what I'll do is I'll, if you guys notice, that my, the first call is usually a little lighter. If I don't get a response, my second series of calls is a lot louder. And then sometimes I feel like, okay, maybe I need to elevate this more on the third series. But then we do about every 100 yards, every 200 yards. Sometimes... We'll go a half a mile without calling. It all depends on what the terrain is like. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of strategy to it, but who knows? I'll, <laughs> I'll say something about strategy and even trying to find them. Today was rough because, yeah, it was fun this morning, but after that, when they got quiet, I didn't see much sign. We didn't come across much fresh sign at all today we didn't stick to the spots where we were we kind of ventured out past where we normally yeah. hung out because the places we were hanging out yesterday yeah areas. Our hunt oh you're was, right yeah i mean our hunt was compromised because yeah. we uh we you had so many options guns. and we chose yeah. to pursue one of the options you know yeah. it, it so, yeah, yeah. Who, you know, who knows at that point That's yeah right. and we made the choice and it, and it was a good choice we got we got right there and the way that we handled that, the way that we, you know, 
we were right there. We talked to him for a while. We were extremely close, and, and we and we came back around. And, and what did we hear? We heard a gobble right there, and we were right there. And, and if we could have continued that pursuit and have gone into that tree line, probably would have been a good hunt. It would have been a really good hunt. You know, but tag field probably. Yeah, but you know, or chances shot in the face. Right, that was pretty close, that, man. <laughs> that was the reality of it. Yeah. But, you know, in a perfect world, and they weren't there. That would have been that would have been a good yeah. hunt. Oh, yeah, it was a good hunt. We were right off that road. It was sweet because we came up, we saw the edge of the timber line, and we knew exactly what we wanted to do. We all pretty much said the same exact thing. Everybody nodded, and the minute we were about to take off, we hear that gobble without even like it just came right there, right in. And it was like everybody knew what, what what everybody in that moment knew what our purpose was. Mm. And the minute we got over that berm, <laughs> a fucking gunshot. Yeah, oh, yeah that man. shot went off, and I looked at Joey, and hearts. I was like, "It was over there." And Joey looks at me like I'm crazy. He's like, "No, Dad, it was right in front of us." <laughs> you, you, you were crazy in that instance. Here's the deal. Right there. He it like, sucks being dead. I'm like, gonna tell you that. Yeah, I was gonna say, no. "Oh my god, you can't hear words." <laughs> I know, man. I said, sucks. I tried to say that to Dravis, and then I was like, <laughs> okay. But my my only thing was, I, I said that I mounted oh to Dre, but then, but then you took us right to the turkey, and then I was kind of like, yeah, okay, well, I, yeah. no, I'll tell you what, I, I can. You're working with typically the, if the wind ain't blowing. <laughs> there ain't people around, and the gobbler's fifty yards away. I'll know where it's at. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> no. So it, it, well, that, that's how it goes. It like, just, it, no, no, no matter what the formation is, whether you're hunting or you're operating or you're playing football, the person that's taking lead is always open to a certain level of criticism from people around. And there's plenty of times today oh, yeah. even that I was like, you were taking us one direction, and I was looking at Joey, I was like, I was like, this is obvious. It's right here. And I was like, okay, we're going this direction. And you walked us right up on that turkey. Yeah, and it just showed. I was like, I'm a rookie. I need do. to turn my brain off and just learn a little bit more. Well, and this. here's the deal when you're a permanent caller. That's a high-pitched tone that distorts your hearing. And I'm calling all day long. Yeah. And, I mean, sometimes I'm just like, it rings my bell. No, I All it. day long, just sitting there. I didn't even and realize then, you were teaching us. I was like, "Holy shit!" Because you sitting like about this distance from me, ringing on that box. Because I was like, "Why is he using the box more?" But then when you're doing it right next to me and Joey do it, I was. It's like, loud. Turning my head away. So when and then all of a sudden you hear a gobble or you hear something else, my hearing is still trying to figure out. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you, Dre. Yesterday shooting, you went out there without the earplugs and you were like distorted a little bit. You were like. It's just not coming back to me. Right. You can't... So, with that calling constantly, all day long, permanently, it, it really does affect how you hear things out there in the field. Is the reed louder than the box for you in your head? Just no, the box so is louder because it's away and the reed is in my mouth and going here. And the box out. is out here, you know, in front of me. That box mm. can cover ground, man. It, that, it you can. know, that's what's really fabulous about them is they can get out there. They can reach. They can get out there. Yeah, whenever you hop on that box, I get real hopeful. But mm-hmm. you know, it's I mean, hard. I mean, listening deep, like, trying to hear all the way in there. I'm like, hmm. like <laughs> when that shot went off, I was just, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I was just like, geez, Louise. And we then it was echoing all around we us. We should have found that guy and fought him. <laughs> yeah. We should have hit that gobbler. There were four of us. Right? The, the guy Not, with the gunshot or the, it the was two. People don't hunt turkeys in groups of four like we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's <laughs> do you think that has also power? I mean, look, we're not. We have a larger party. I mean, do you, how much is our stomping around affecting us actually? Bumping? You know, it, I think on the yeah. trampling in the woods <laughs> and trying to locate one can kind of affect us. But then again, that's why sometimes I'll go 50 to 100 yards and I'll be calling is because I'm trying to reach that yeah. tom that might be just right there. If I if I was waiting, if it was just one or two guys. It might be every 200 yards that I call, hmm. but I'm just trying to get that one gobbler that's just right outside of the distance, and then we're trying to get into his range of hearing and and so forth. So I'll go 50, 100 yards. It, right. It's it's too bad that using the. Uh, I know I heard a horror story from you about using walkie-talkies, using kind of some sort of communication platform, and my phone alarm went off once, and that wasn't happy, you know. So it's it's kind of it's shitty that that happens because i know whether just again like my area of expertise is these military operations i've been training for so when i'm trying to flush a guy out of a tree line or out of a bunker you know with the way that the united states military works it's it's maneuver warfare i'm firing at you and keeping your head down while somebody moves around yeah and then flanks you so but for this it'd just be nice to be able to communicate to be like purposefully flushing or purposely bumping them out of a tree line so you know somebody can hit them as they're trying to cross the street but at the same time, the minute you guys split up from us, we have no way of communicating with you. I don't know how far you went. Yeah. You know, even when you start off on those calls, sometimes they're further down than, like, I thought you were over here, and then all of a sudden there's a fucking call, so I'm over here trying yeah, to I decide think, that. I don't think you can do it electronically in Washington. No. Yeah. It's really? In the state of it's illegal. Yeah. Okay, that puts my mind at ease. For sure. Can't coordinate. It's a disadvantage of the, uh, of the game. Yeah, it pushes your consciousness so, so much further out. working. That's it, mm -hmm. man. What was that? Mm -hmm. Hand uh, signals. That's <laughs> yeah. The man's a line of sight. That's why I look at you guys. Hands Can you see them? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you hear? Joey, you hit me with a hand signal yesterday that I had no idea what you were talking about. He stuck his middle finger up. He, he <laughs> didn't know what it meant. He took his two fingers and he like dragged them across the ground real quick. Looked me right in the eyes. Oh, no. And I, I looked I, at I him and I went... I literally nodded, and he was just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, no, what I was trying to say is that, is that they're, is, they're not moving. So I was saying I was saying they, they were moving. I kind of had, like, the like, walking. like they walk, And then they stopped, and they didn't oh, move okay. anymore. So I was saying, okay. hey, they're, they're stagnant. We should, probably, we should probably move if they're not moving type of thing. I but, was uh, one confused yeah. son of a bitch, but I got to agree with that, what you just said. The, the moving and then the stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good one. I mean, that, that's a. I just I, I mean, caught it halfway the, through. The proof today like is a very good, you know, example. We uh, we had a turkey that was completely stagnant. It wasn't moving. It was in the tree. It didn't want to come down, and we're sitting there for forty. We're ex we're, we're close. We're yeah. very we were close. within fifty yards. We're within fifty yards. You're not you're not gonna yell to the person. But I, I wasn't gonna yell to you and say, "Hey, this turkey's not moving. What should we do?" <laughs> Bastard won't get out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Just jump. <laughs> Bump him. You know, and my, if my, my sights are right there, ready. But um, we could have walked right up to that turkey underneath the tree and shot him right out of the tree if, if we wanted to. That brings up a point that I want to talk about because, for oh, people who don't nice. hunt turkeys a lot, and we're talking about legality, like it's not. We had this conversation earlier. It's not illegal to, you know, to, to shoot a turkey out of the tree. Right. While it's in the nest, but it's Roof. very taboo within the hunting community to do so. So, 
what it buries down to is almost an ethical dilemma. I don't know much about it, but I mean, what what are your guys' thoughts on that? Me, I that's why we pulled out. I was like, hey, he he's not going to come down to the ground. Let's let's pull back, loop around, and let's yep. come back up in a different direction and see if he and give him time and hopefully they fly out of the roost. Yeah, but but I just mean trying to shoot a turkey out of a tree. I will never shoot a turkey out of the tree. And and why is that? Because. I think it's a disadvantage to the game because he's staying up there for a particular reason and that reason is safety. Now once he gets down to the ground, now it's him and I and it's 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 a different kind of warfare mm. because it's my it's me trying to hunt him and now we're at an even playing field. If he's in the okay. tree, we're not at an even playing field. He's at a disadvantage because I could just walk under that tree and he doesn't know that I know he doesn't know I'm there pluck him out of or the tree, yeah. He just is like, I'm holding tight because this is what's saved my life many, many years. And then I take a shot. He falls out of the tree. Bam. Yeah, my, my no would be even more practical than that. Just, you know, where they're roosting here, I don't know that he falls out of the tree. That's what Joey said earlier, too. I was thinking too, that yeah. same thing. I mean, if they, if they don't death grip, the you know, he grabs yeah. on. And, and I was seeing the same mm-hmm. thing because I remembered your, you know, duck over the water reference yeah. and you kind of compared the two and I, I i thought that that was a great parallel because the same thing could be said you shoot a turkey in the tree it doesn't fall out of the tree why are you hunting turkey yeah you shoot a duck in the water you don't have a dog and the duck is just sitting in there in the water you can't you, make the harvest you're not going to dive in there in the water and grab the duck why'd you shoot the duck then I just, this I is would, hunting i would have shot that turkey today out of that tree though all these ethical it also comes down to somebody shot another tree why couldn't it have been me (laughs) that's just that's honestly something that i was wondering because i was sitting back with i was sitting back with joe and we were talking about what you guys were doing and like what was going on you know and he kept telling me the thing's not moving they're not going to go for it and i didn't and again as like a student of this and new to it i was thinking i was wondering if, if you could elaborate on because you told me earlier why it was a bad idea but what i was thinking is like hell the issue was we thought it might be a jake and we don't want a jake we want a, mm-hmm. a full-on tom so for me what i would do is like recon by putting myself out there i just push them until i could bump them out of that tree and by the time i mean granted that he jumped out of the tree or whether or not I could verify that he was a Tom or not, that would have been like, that would have been my, in my like inexperienced role. That's what would have, what, what I would have done. And then you told me that you don't want to teach him or you don't want them to get, to I start learning. Educate on him. Your, educate him. That, that, that's what you said. I was wondering if you could like talk more about that just because that resonated with me, you know, educating them, you know, don't educate them. That's a little bit so when you I've heard about before. No, that's a great point. So when you educate an animal via, you know, you walk underneath there, you shoot at them, and then there's three other or four other birds up there, and then you just educated them that there's a hunter, and he could just shoot up in the tree and kill these, kill a bird. So they're less likely to ever gobble out of the tree because they know that that potentially could mean death or the hens may not clack, cluck, or whatever, yeah, well, they know something's up. I mean, yeah. you said these things... They're pretty savvy. Yeah, it's shown that they know enough about human hunting pressure to shut up and learn to look with them, right? What's that? Let me throw it in the wall. So, super interesting. I had a really good point I was going to bring up. 
But I lost it. Oh, Probably no, to a, another sip of bourbon there. But uh, <laughs> um, here I'll get another question. Uh, aging a turkey. You're bringing up Jake's and wanting mature birds. True or false? Hit me. Spur length is a great indicator of how old your turkey is. Can you... Spur length. Spur length. Like yeah. the back of their like their last so toe. So I got my talon from last year. That mm-hmm. spur on the end. Mm-hmm. It's like a weapon for them. If you look at that, you could determine. It's a really great way to determine how old they are. True. Or how mature? Yeah, I feel like this is a trick question, but I'm gonna. I'm, I'm just gonna go with the reason to say true. I'm gonna say that's true. I feel like it's a trick question in the way that I'd say false. And more of a genetic thing rather than an age thing. Absolutely true. Absolutely. The older they get, the longer it grows. What? Really? That's the lead for Brazier. No way. That's the lead for Brazier. That's the lead for Brazier. That's that's dumb. Before I'll go on to this, we'll ask another (laughs) one. Dude, I just heard what you said. It was more logical than I said. Beard length. (laughs) Beard length. (laughs) Beard length is another great indicator of the exact age of a bird. True or false? Oh, true. 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 Absolutely true. true. False. Okay. The exact length of... Okay, so the word exact... Yeah, so what you can do... So the Tricky bastard. So, according (laughs) again, I've probably said two things that people listening to this, you know, the six guys who listen to the show who hunt turkeys are probably like... Seven (laughs) now. Yeah, seven (laughs) now. But this this is... This is... Definitely a common misconception. A hundred percent it's common. Yeah. But so here's what you can get with spur length and beard in particular. When you pair it with the primary feathers, you can say for sure that that bird is either a Jake or it's an adult uh, mature Tom. Pretty much within two years. Mm-hmm. After that, it's game on. You can't tell. So what okay. you, the best thing you can do, according to. Um, this feller uh, Chamberlain is if the fans if the fans lopsided it's a Jake and if but if the fan is full and it's got a two inch beard you can say that that's an over two year old bird right but then after that they don't have no determination after that you don't know so I thought that was pretty interesting that is interesting we even had Chris on and swore up and down spurling 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 but like you just said, Andre, it's genetics, and not only genetics, but environment plays. Because they're scratching Snow. and fighting and doing things, right? So there's just a lot of different things that mess with their spurling. So and snow was... length will actually freeze and frost off the beard if they're if they're in a in an area with a lot of snow. Hundred percent, and it mites and things can affect the beard length. Yeah, so, that's the cut. You know, so you, you know there's a cutoff. So you can tell if it's a Jake or not. You can tell. But, you know, you can't tell if it's five years or seven years or, yeah, you're nice. you know, you see three that beard years over there? or whatnot. So I thought that was interesting. That is really interesting. But, um, so is. I'll, last true or false question. True or false, tomorrow we're going to kill a turkey. You know, final day of the hunt. True. Not about that one and 100%, 130%. That's true. That is shit. Sure. 130%. 130%. Like yeah, now, I have true. two turkey tags, so are we going to kill four turkeys? We're, we're <laughs> going to limit out. We're going to limit out? We're just going to limit out. We, and then some, because I'm going to run up there on them with, the, with my fisticuffs, <laughs> and I'm beating one to death. Cool. 
just I know. We're going to give it hell, and hopefully we come out with three birds. Yeah, that's it. Well, according to you guys, every day's gotten better. Since that's what I was going to say. Right? Every single day has been look at the exponentially right better. Yeah. We just got poured on, but we see some blue sky now. All right. If it's raining, is it, here's another true or false question. If it's pissing rain but spirits are up, are we just sending it out there? Or are we three thirty in the morning? Here's false. my <laughs> that's you, John. That's here's my truth. If I do it, then you're doing it. If it, it is but. raining at three thirty in the morning, truly I'm staying in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All right, I'll I'll see you guys out there. I'll go. I'm stone. glad we have a group consensus on that one because we got a, a three fourths group consensus. <laughs> so let Jay, me ask you, you can go hike out Andre, there. <laughs> yes, the sir. first time I heard, I I got taken on a um. I was on a bachelor party hunting camping trip, and the first time I heard like it's not a bad idea. up close goblin. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty awesome sound. Your your initial thoughts on your first time in the field hearing a gobbler okay so with the gobblers so i live in cheney washington over in spokane county on the eastern side of washington i've heard turkeys randomly just like living at my i stand at my buddy's house because he's over next to the woods but it's not like i'm not hunting for turkey i haven't been out here sweating you know and bleeding and stuff for it and shit my pants for it so being out there like that that first day Hardly. and then <laughs> and with all the rope. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> with the rope we'll get into that later ladies and gentlemen but <laughs> but but being out there that first day and these guys trudging along and i kept thinking that i was hearing something i could have sworn i'd heard something and I, I i really didn't and then the second day i thought i heard something but joey was like no that wasn't a gobbler so it was it, it was again like i wasn't man, shutting it down no you weren't shutting me down you, you know, were bringing you know, some very, rationality it's to a, it it's a robust know. sound when you're it's there you hear it and yeah. you know it you know exactly. it in your gut and, and when you're hearing it from a yeah. distance and it's faint like that you're just you're not a hundred percent well yeah you're and i'm i'm pretty convinced as of right now that uh, that second day wasn't an actual turkey so Yesterday, when I really knew for a fact that I heard a turkey and my ears just perked up, you know, it was absolutely ex- exhilarating. You know, I I even checked my watch that I've got my, my little Garmin and my heart rate jumped about 15 beats per minute. So I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're a wild it was animal. pretty sweet. <clears throat> Hopefully we can bag one tomorrow. Do you know their heads change color? Really? Like, uh, situationally? Like, yes. it's like Red, white, and to blue. where I could see it? Yep. Wow. I hope we get to see that tomorrow. Not like over the course of their life. Yeah, yeah. They change color from like turkey color to just full of blood. Just bloody when you shoot them in the head. Well, sweet gang, fun little chat. Hopefully, we get some turkeys tomorrow. But until then, we're stuck with this wild turkey. Yeah. Cheers to us. Amen. Either way, we win. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) All I gotta say is. Yeah. God bless America. And gobble, gobble. Hey. the gobble. You guys did it. Don't leave tur- turkeys sweet. to chase turkeys. <laughs> yeah, don't leave turkeys to find turkeys. That's...